How's everybody doing today? My name is Zach, and this is another installment of the Core Values Podcast. And today we decided to switch it up a little bit. I have a guest with me from the civilian community. Her name is Kelly, and she's an integral part of the Core Values team. <laughs> and Kelly came up with the bright idea of interviewing me today. So I'm going to be the guest, and Kelly is going to take the lead or take point, we should say. Is that what it's called? Take point, yeah. In the military, taking okay. point, lead and, man. And in the civilian, and in the civilian community, it's called um, taking charge. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's called that everywhere. All right. Well, this is another installment of Core Values. I'm just going to take over now. Sure. This is your show today. I am the team member. Oh, wait. What did you call it? Integral. Integral. Okay. Team member. Okay. Or integral. Okay. <laughs> And I'm here with another installment of Core Values. I have Zach Zendler with me today. Pleasure he to is from the military community. And Zach, yes, you're right. I did have a great idea of interviewing you because what's a show and a host without knowing any kind of backstory on him? So today we're going to dive in. Head first. Head first. I'm the worst diver ever, so I'm going <laughs> to just jump. Jack, jackknife it. We're going <laughs> to jackknife it right into it. Yeah, I can't dive. So we're going to just jump in because one of the things you told me when we first met was you said, I hate small talk. Hate it. That's what you said. You go, if I go to a party, if I go out with friends, I'm never just going to sit there and be like, man, this weather we're having is bananas. You know, like that's just never going to be you. So I, I appreciated that right off right off the bat. That's a, that's a, another civilian term, by the oh, way. Oh, appreciation. Got it. No, right off the bat. Oh, right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I when I was like, oh, man, that's great. And I was like, how else would you describe yourself? And you gave me a long list of things. Laundry list. Well, kind of. Yeah. I don't even know what laundry list means. We should look that up. But you gave me a long list and you said, I, I like to think about deep thoughts. I like to go like really first, I'm going to go deep with people. I'm never going to stay on the surface. I'm always going to play devil's advocate. You, you started telling me all these things and I was like, oh, that's awesome, you know, for your show and everything. And then you were like, yeah, I've never, I never talk about myself on the show. And I was like, what is wrong with this man? So today we are going to dive in Zach Zindler style. Okay. Yes. And I'm just going to shoot straight from the um, no small talk hip. Okay. Yes. And I'm going to ask you. So, Zach, you were in the military for, for how long? I was in for four years. Okay. And you were in the Marines? Yes. All right. So what um, gaping hole was in your heart that that meant that you started to enlist in, that caused you to enlist in one of the toughest, most elite branches of the military? So I have a very, um, very interesting story. As to why I can't wait to hear it. As to why I joined the uh, Marine Corps, um, so this is like one of the first times I really talked about this. But the reason I joined the Marine Corps was because my girlfriend at the time said that she was going to join the military, and I told her that I would, you know, I'm I'm trying to profess my love love to her, or prove my love to her, and I said I'll do it with you, but I won't do anything except the Marine Corps. And then our compromise was that we would join the Marine Corps together. Oh my gosh, stop everything. I, I did not know this story. This is everything I've ever wanted in a military store. We have love, we have commitment, we've got fighting for the country's freedom. I mean, I don't even know where which part I love more. Okay, 
so uh, fast fast forward. No, I mean, we we don't well, we, not we, a... we joined we joined at the same time. Okay, and we both were we were the top of our our classes, both of us. Like shut and, up. Um, she was too, so she yeah. must have been a total badass athlete or yeah, something. Total badass. Okay. And so then we ended up graduating, and then once we went over to our uh, military occupational school, that's kind of where we were separated, and things just kind of like died off. And about three months after we got out, we broke up. So it was like wait, three months out of after boot camp. Okay, boot camp. Got it. After boot camp. We broke up, and then we were just, you know, now I'm, hey, now I'm in the Marine Corps. <laughs> like, you're like, okay, oh well, my all right, I'm here now. And, you know, for me, I always see t- challenges as opportunities. And I've always been that way my whole life, playing sports, uh, anything I did. And I saw my, the reason I chose the Marine Corps is because I'd gone to a military academy younger, when I was younger. Oh. And it was a Marine Corps military academy. And I realized that I could hang with the people that are like Marine Corps uh, prepped. They're prepped for the Marine Corps. They're not in the Marine Corps yet, but they're prepped for it. And I could hang with them. Hmm. You mean um, on a social level or do you mean like? No, on a discipline level. Okay. Like I was just as, I could be just as disciplined and thrive in that atmosphere. Why are you so disciplined? Uh, My, the way I was raised. Which was military. Um, Was your dad military? No, no. Wasn't military. It was just a very religious, um, very strict um, family, and you weren't allowed to go outside the lines, and everything was black and white. Okay, you know, so it was terrible to to grow up in, but it really was easy to do it when it came to the military. Oh, so the military is just do this and don't ask questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty much if if you do that. You're good. Right. Now, the problem is what happens when you start asking questions? Mm-hmm. And that's where I started getting, like, my thing is I started realizing, like, what the whole uh, structure was and how certain people were able to manipulate that system to benefit them, even though that they would be uh, a hazard to other Marines or people under their charge because they didn't lead properly. They were... They were chasing awards over looking for the morale and well-being of their men and women. All right. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because another word you used for your to describe yourself was you value. When we talked about core values, mm. you said your number one core value is integrity. Yes. Now, integrity, by definition, um, is a high moral like code or standard, right? It is who you are no matter what. So it's when people are watching you and when people aren't watching you. So that being in the military, which is already kind of held to a higher level, mm. but to have like fraud or deceit going on within that, I bet that was torturous for someone like that. It was. It was for everything that you're taught, you're taught core values. And everything has to abide by these core values in order for the, the machine to function. Right. And once you realize that very few people are abiding by those core values and it's more of just a watch do what i say not what i do mm-hmm. type of leadership they're the the ones that set themselves apart are the ones that lead by example and that you, you there's a complete distinction between those and the ones that are just telling you what to do and then in the 
you know, in the shadows, they're they're doing some shady stuff. But do the people that do that are the people that have a high integrity and things like that, which you were saying, do they get do they get promoted? Um, that's the hard part. And if you're willing to sacrifice your well-being for your men or women or people underneath you, right. you may you may lose out on opportunity because you're not you're not trying to step step uh, separate yourself from the situation. You're trying to protect the people that are in the situation. Right. So if you take the rep or if you take the blame for it, you know, that's you protecting the people that look up to you. But some would argue that's that's the definition of a leader. Exactly. But that that just because you're a leader doesn't mean you get rewarded for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes that comes at a cost. Yep. You know, being a leader, that's the most trust. That's why in the Marine Corps, there's things called senior lance corporals. And it sets them apart from regular lance corporals. Senior lance corporals are looked upon as like the people that are um, very uh, knowledgeable, have been through it, have experience. But they're not at that rank where they are given leadership roles. Were you one of those? I was a corporal. So I got up all the way up to the actual leadership role. Mm. But the senior lance corporal had the authority over some even corporals because they had the experience. They had the training. um, They just never got to that rank. Gotcha. So going back to the original, you know, plot you were with this girl you guys were in two separate spaces did you have to finish out your four years like in her group no 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 no. she was so the girls go to paris island south carolina okay and then i was in uh california oh okay so completely separate and then we got shipped in different locations Oh, and they separate the marines like that yeah okay i didn't know that well uh, you have to go into a buddy program and that's if you wanted to look more into that you contact the recruiting station right um but you can actually set it up where you have a friend go with you on the same day and then you can uh be in the same platoon and boot camp you might go to different jobs but they can but it's not not a girlfriend situation maybe i don't not a girlfriend because you have to have separate um yeah, everything. Separate everything. Separate tents. Yeah. <laughs> everything. Right. Well, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. But um, but at the same time then, so when it was, you're in California, she's off in the Carolinas or whatever you said. So that was just it. That was done. Yeah. Were, I mean, I would, I would be remiss not to say, were you just heartbroken? Uh, yes and no. I mean, it's kind of like... Everything they train you in the Marine Corps, at least, is to be able to compartmentalize and suppress feeling. Oh, well, that sounds healthy. <laughs> so, well, I mean, think about it. If you see, you know, catastrophic death everywhere. True. Yes, I can see where it could come into play. You know, you have to be <laughs> able to finish the mission and complete the mission without getting caught up in all the death and chaos around you. Okay. But it doesn't mean you didn't feel it. It doesn't mean it you does. didn't see it. Yeah, you do feel it. Okay. You feel it, um, but it's also... You know, a, a maturation thing like you're growing through that whole process and you don't realize that you have stunted growth by holding on to things oh. and being able to let those things go. Allow you to now um, allow you now to seek uh, new new knowledge, something that might be able to help you in what you who you're trying to be as a person. OK, well, let's go deep with this then. So you. You were dating some, I believe in, I don't know if you believe in God or the universe or Oprah or whatever you want to believe in, okay? But do you believe in something bigger than yourself in some capacity? Or are you just like, no, we're just lumps of 
clay walking around this world and that's it. We're just stardust. Uh, no, I, I believe in like the universe and stuff. I really think that um, energy has a really big impact. A lot of people, um, you can, once you get trained, being able to use your energy to defer and deflect certain people from thinking that they can uh, take advantage of you, it's a tactic. Um, I think it's really helpful to to look at it as the you get what you re, you get what you put out. Yeah, so, that's a that's a yeah, law. Yeah, and and the way you treat treat others the, the way you would want to be treated. Yep. Because you're giving out this type of uh, energy, but it's also something that people um, they respond to it, and it can either be a positive response or a negative response. Okay, well, that being said, some energy force yeah. brought you and that gal together, right? Which brought mm. you then to the Marines enlisting office. Yeah. Right. So do you, and then 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 that brought you guys apart. And so would you say that it was part of who you were supposed, you were supposed to get to the Marines, was mm -hmm. what I'm trying to get at. So you were supposed to be there for that moment. Whoever yeah. used... <laughs> The great Goblin King or whatever used yeah. his powers to get you to the Marines. I mean, do you yeah. know what I'm saying? I like, know exactly. Your yeah. destiny was supposed to be a Marine. Would you agree with that? Or were you like, that was a total mistake. I would have never done that. So I wouldn't, I never saw that. So I was already, my girlfriend and I were separated. So I lived in South Dakota mm -hmm. and she was in California when we both joined. Okay. So I, we were already separated at that point. Um, I was living in South Dakota for a little, like, an, like a year. And I, I was not military savvy i wasn't i did i wasn't really pro-military so for me to go into the military i i didn't necessarily know why i was put in the military hmm. but over time i realized that i was put in the military because i might be able to actually facilitate change and my purpose in the military is bigger than just my service okay so when well, two things then. Well, no, let's go. With, let's go that direction with it then, because you you start all of your shows with you know we're going to bridge the gap between the civilian community and the military community. We don't want to see red and blue. I would. You're very much a peacemaker yeah. type, you know. Yeah. Which you wouldn't associate with the military. There's nothing about peace. I mean, I guess they're trying to keep peace or mm -hmm. make peace, but they go about it in a way that's it's they get it gets messy before it gets cleaned up, right? Yeah. So explain to me where that comes from then. Uh, I do. Well, the thing is, is I think people get scared by people's exterior, even though they might be a good person. So like if you're this big growly man, you know, and you have tattoos all over your all over the place and you lay, you know, you give out your hand for, to help someone. They may look at you as, you know, terrified or as a threat, even though you may be the most kind hearted person. Sure. And. That's kind of how the military is like we 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 have this hard exterior because we have the capability of doing all these negative things. OK, but once you're in the military, you realize like the majority of the people in the military aren't these like hyper aggressive savages. Right. You know, a lot of them are <laughs> they're real people. They're real people. And, and some of them are really introverted mm -hmm. and they don't have a lot of uh, social experience. Hmm. And so you're. You, you look at it and you see, oh, the military has this 
this really rough exterior. They're just these hard chargers that just, you know, lay ruin to everything they come, they, they walk over. And I mean, I'm grateful for the military. I, I, I'm not one of the one that puts the military down at all. I mean, I yeah. know that you, that's a bunch of people that have given for whatever reason mm-hmm. they've enlisted, whether it's true love or, you know, free college or whatever. I don't know who knows Yeah, whatever goes, to, that's the only thing they, they had, right? Yeah. Like they couldn't get into college or they didn't have a job. And so they just joined the military. Who mm-hmm. knows? I would give every every single one of them the utmost respect. I'm not saying every single person there deserves, you know, the gold medal yep. of valor or anything, if that's even a thing. But I, I definitely think that the fact that they enrolled in or enlisted in the first place gives them already a gold star, regardless. Yeah. They could be terrible human humans behind the scenes, yep. but, I mean, I don't know that. Well, that, that's the, the, the whole purpose of it is, is service, is civil service, or to, or to defend, defend the nation. And... I think being able to the, have that structure, I think structure is it's kind of the same way that we have college. Like you have college, you have a criteria, you have to fulfill a certain GPA in order to graduate. And the, the theory is, is that if you follow this model, you will be successful in your endeavors. Sure. Same, same concept with the military. There's an idiot born every day. Exactly. <laughs> and, and realistically, that model doesn't, translate over to everyone there's some people that they really thrive under that type of structure sure but same thing with the military there's some people that really thrive under the structure of the military and there's those that are really just you know it's not for them did you it was tough for me because i had this idea of what the military and the marine corps was like a super motivated like you know we're about to go you know fight a war like we have we have to be motivated all the time and I realized that some once the, once I realized that the leadership was some of the leadership was do as I say, not as I do. Mm-hmm. It really just demotivated me. Yeah. And it got to a point where it was like, why would I want to be a part of this? If if this is what I have to deal with, I can have people in charge of me that are complete scum mm-hmm. that are, you know, have no good interest interest in mind. And I'm setting myself up to potentially be in that situation. I might be in a great situation, but you get, you tra- it gets uh, trans- trans- translated over and you get, go to so many different stations that you're just, it's inevitable to have somebody that you have to work underneath. That you don't respect. That you don't respect. Yeah, that would be really hard. That's tough. And that's why I, I, I really wanted to get out to the you know veteran community the way that I've been doing it is because I want to show that there is no agenda behind it. The agenda is just something that I've been, we've been missing is authenticity. You know, we want, I just want people to feel that there's people out there that are authentic, not just putting up a front to appease other people's standards. Yeah. And I mean, you see most movies and most television shows when they show the military, it's always like, uh, this drill sergeant that is just like he'll destroy you or she mm-hmm. will destroy you. I just watched Polly Shore's movie in the Army now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a cinematic opus, if I will, <laughs> if I do say so myself. But the but the drill sergeant on there was a female and she was a badass, you know. Mm-hmm. And they don't ever paint it any other way, you know. Yeah. It's always these people that will grind you down into dust and then form a thick paste out of you and then smear you on the floor, you know. I mean, that's really what it is, right? 
and I think that needs to happen for a lot of people because you have to earn, you have to, you have to break somebody down before obviously you can build yeah. them back up. And and I think the military starts at baseline with everybody. It doesn't matter what where you're from, class, color, creed, whatever. You're yep. we're all we're all dust. Yep. <laughs> we're all space dust. We're stardust. <laughs> or whatever you said. <laughs> yeah. So going back to what you said earlier, which is another big passion of yours, you said the the military teaches you to compartmentalize things. So even yeah. if you were dealing with the heartbreak of the century, I don't know what capacity you were dating this girl if you thought you were going to marry her i mean obviously if you're get willing to enroll in the enlist in the freaking military you have to be headlong over heels in love with this person so that's uh, a big i mean unless you're just like oh no i had nothing else going on that day and i have nothing going on for the next four years so i'll just join <laughs> i mean let's put it this way i was living in south dakota i mean there's not not a lot going on not a lot going on <laughs> and how many times can we see Mount Rushmore? We get it. And, well, I, I lived in the Black Hills, which was like 6,000 elevation. So it was really cool. Uh, you had like five neighbors. Next closest neighbor was like 15 miles away. Ugh, this uh, is horrible. No running water. Uh, yeah, it, was, no. it, was, it, was, it was a great experience. And There's two types of people in the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody who finds that appealing and the rest of those us. Those that do, those that don't. <laughs> uh, and But for me... So I didn't really get hung up on that relationship. The relationship was just kind of like a means to an end. And well, how I mean, how laid back are you? You're she's yeah. like, I'm joining the military. I will, too. That's a great idea. That's my life. I'm like, OK, I'll do it. And then I do it like that's just how I've always lived my life. Like if I make, make a decision to do something, I just go and do it. And I go a thousand miles an hour. But you said you were raised in a pretty strict home. Yeah. So that doesn't leave a lot of room for free spiritness. So is None. That, it leaves no room. So is that why you are that way? Yes. Okay. It, it's because I was forced to um, follow other people's opinion as opposed to my opinion. And then it made me double down on investing in my opinions. Mm -hmm. And if it's my opinion and I go for it, then I'm going for it. I'm not going to sit there and just, you know, listen to other people tell me how I have to do everything. So freedom is really important. Yeah, freedom freedom is not having the fear to take risk. You know, that's what really allows us to be free because if you're not scared to do something, then that's freedom. Mm -hmm. But though, if you have to really be scared and there's all these people that are very analytical and have to weigh all the options, know all the numbers. Yeah. You know, it, for me, I want to just figure it out as I get there. Mm -hmm. I, as long as I'm in the arena... I'll figure out how to come out. That's good. But the goal is to getting into the arena. Okay. So you're in the arena and they're teaching you how to compartmentalize trauma and in serious issues and serious things that you're seeing. I mean, did you ever go into action or combat or whatever it's called? I, I don't know. Did, was there a war going on while you... Yeah. So I was I was over actually in... Um, most of my time was in uh, Japan. Okay. Or the Asia, I should say, because the Philippines, Japan, Korea, all the all those areas okay. right there. Um, That's good food. Yeah, it, it, it's great culture. Yeah, I mean, it's more than it's it's more than just food. It's just like you that Okinawa, Japan, is the island where people live the longest in the entire world. Mm -hmm. Like the average age is the oldest. Right. There. Okay. And it's because of the way they live their life, the food they eat. Super clean, right? Super clean. They. Work I don't mean in, just in the way they eat. I mean everything is really every, clean. Everything is really clean. They work in their farms until mm -hmm. they're like ninety, a hundred years old. Um, they get natural sun. They're always outside working and just even squatting as much as they do. Their their uh their joints are way more limber than ours. Hmm. 
I love squatting. Yes. There's a squatty potty <laughs> for all of us. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I meant in the workout. Like, where when you work out, you know you do squats. Yeah. I didn't mean whatever oh, stool yeah. you need to get to the rest <laughs> Literally. Of <it>. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so you, you were in, like, most of Asia. Yeah. Um. When you said you did you you raised in a strict home, did your family have any kind of were they did they miss you? Were you super close to them? Were they like what are you thinking, Zach? Or they like oh that's Zach? Yeah, it was a little little bit of all of that actually. Um, what they, sticks out? Well, no, they they didn't they didn't want me to be in danger. They kind of know that I'm, you know, I I go off and do some random things. And I'm very strong, uh, stubborn, but also uh, strong-minded. And that's usually goes hand in hand. It does, it does. And they 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 were supportive, but they also didn't didn't support at the same time. It, they didn't want me to get put into da- put into harm. Oh life. yeah, I would feel the same way about my kid or yeah. my brother. Yeah. So I mean, it, it was to an extent, you know, wanting to downplay everything. So you did or they did? They did. They did. What do you mean? Well, just downplay, you know, the potential of things happening, the potential of why I'm being trained, stuff like that. When you say downplay, what do you mean by that? Mm, take away the significance of it. So it, it's not as meaningful to me. Uh, it's not as meaningful to them as it is to me. So I. So if you called them up and you're like, hey, we just finished basic training or whatever it's called at the very beginning for the Marines. Is it called basic uh yeah it's called boot camp for the marine corps boot camp we just finished boot camp man it was the hardest thing i've ever done they would just be like no they were they were really appreciative and very you know right they 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 were the my a big support system for me okay um but just the idea of the military is what i'm talking about not necessarily who i am okay but are they anti-military no they're very pro patriotic people very patriotic very um pro-military people um it's just different when you have you know, somebody that you love. In yeah. It. Right. You have somebody you love in it. That makes sense. Um, so you also have a real heart. If, if I will say that you have a real heart for people to acquire or to obtain mental health, yes. mental wellness and, and that kind of thing. Is that from being in the military or did you always feel that way? That's a combination of both. I had, I felt uh, a lot of identity issues growing up and I never felt like I could fit in anywhere, and every time I tried, I always got, you know, pushed out by the group or non-accepted, and then that kind of translated over to the military where now you're getting trained to compartmentalize and be able to overcome challenges and um, obstacles, and then once you get out, you're kind of living in this, you know, isolated state of mind. Yeah. And all of that kind of just gets jumbled together and for me I dealt with a lot of you know suicidal issues you know a lot of mental health it it was just really 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 bad for a long period of time is it because of the drastic change from the military into civilian life or what is it just stuff from your past was coming up or was it because you compartmentalized serious trauma and you hadn't dealt with it I mean what was do you think was the main kingpin in that in what in your in your feeling in your lowest moments? I think it was a, it was not knowing how to deal with all of these, Mm. um, all these issues at the same time 
not yeah. not having a, a means of treatment, a, ne- a means of therapy, not even knowing what you're dealing with, like how to identify it. So what'd you do? Uh, well, no, I was just depressed. I mean, stayed in stayed in the house a lot. A no, lot. what did you do to find help? Oh, that was the biggest. That was the biggest change. So I really went out and I ended up going to this festival and I met this manufacturer that did all hemp products. And for me, I having so many, so I'm a hundred percent service disabled. So I have a lot of physical and mental issues. Oh, so did you suffer an injury there? Or is it just, it's a combination of things. Okay. I mean, I also played football in the Marine Corps. So there's oh. a, there's a lot of, you know, trauma that happens with that one as well. Right. So, but with that, like I, I found this, this hemp manufacturer and he started telling me about all the different cannabinoids outside of just THC and CBD. And it just totally blew my mind. So I started taking the products and it completely changed me. It, it I went from getting, um, so I was getting 120 pills a month and with really, really high doses on narcotic of what, uh, Adderall. Mm. So I was at, do you have ADHD? Yeah, okay. really, really, really bad. Okay. Um, so, but it, it was I was on a really like really high dose. And did you come off of that quickly? Well, that's what happened is I found this hemp, and then I started taking the CBG, and the CBG really helped uh, alleviate all of that need for the Adderall, and it got to a point where I was able to wean myself off where I didn't take it anymore. Wow. And. Then That's not easy to come off of. I mean, people compare it to cocaine. It, it's methamphetamine. Right. It's meth. It's worse well, than I didn't cocaine. Well, I didn't want to be all. I didn't want to be rude. Okay. <laughs> but it is. It, it's, me, it's meth, and you're you become meth addicts, and just think of that's worse than crack. I mean, you 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 will kill people for this. But it's in pill form, so it's not so bad on your teeth. Not so bad on you the. You have teeth. a dazzling smile. Yes. Well, still. I, yeah. It's. I stayed away from the meth. Good. Good. Oh, thank God. <laughs> so, um, but just overcoming that, I mean, there's just a, people take all these things, the prescriptions, the Xanax, the Zolofs, the Lexapro, the ambient you know, to go the to ambience sleep, to go no, to sleep, no. and the, you know the ups and downs is the problem is is you don't know how to cope with yourself on a normal right. level. Right. You have to have something that if you're up, that takes you down. You have something that if you're down, takes you up. I mean, that's what took out Michael Jackson, among other things. But yes. still, I mean, he was on so much, what is it, propofol or something? Some kind of crazy thing that he needed mm. just to wake up or go to sleep, I forget. Yep. And he just, you, you, your body can't live like that, especially old. Exactly. You know, over the age of like 40, forget about it. And all a lot of veterans, you know, they use it as their way of functioning. Right. And the sad part is it's not sustainable. So their body deteriorates over time, which makes them consume twice the amount that they were taking before. Right. You build up in a, like, a, like not an immunity, but you build a tolerance. Up, yeah, tolerance. You have a tolerance, but with that also comes just twice as much damage to the body. Breakdown, right. Totally. And for me, you know, I wasn't able to, to walk very well. I had a really, really bad back problems. Being able to find something to alleviate that just allowed me to just reset my brain all of that was found in these hemp products yes so what happened was i ended up becoming an affiliate with them and i have uh native tampa which came from the native manufacturer 
Okay. And so it's like your territory. It's my territory because I saw that as something that was missing for veterans. Vet- veterans are really good at finding alcohol. Oh, yeah. Really good Look at, at the it. VFW, $2 well drinks. I mean, yeah. how could you say no? I mean, they will find alcohol anywhere, anytime. And the problem is that's because that's the only thing that's ever been taught to them. Mm-hmm. They've only ever known alcohol. Right. And if you can get introduced to things that could be beneficial to you that won't won't hurt you or damage you, that's what made me really get into um, wanting to to bring alternatives to alternative medicine to veterans but wouldn't someone argue well that's just weed they could and then that's when they would be um kind of explained what actual weed is and how it's defined by the government so how is what you do different than smoking so what delta 9 thc is is what's federally uh, regulated okay so what happened is they took hemp which is less than 0.3% THC. So it's just... Uh, uh, THC is the thing... THC is a psychoactive effect on the body. So when you smoke marijuana, that's what makes you feel good. Psychoactive, yes. Or bad, or paranoid, or hungry, or whatever. Yes. Right, okay. And so if you have less than 0.3% of that, you're federally uh, legal per the, the hemp farm bill it, that was passed. Okay. Because right, there's other things you can use hemp for. Yes. Right. So hemp has a wide variety of things. It's included in uh, all the different cannabinoids, CBG, CBN, CBC. Um, uh, nev- I didn't even know there's this many, but okay. Oh, there's over 140 different cannabinoids. Wow. And THC is just one of them. Okay. So that's the one that gets the most, like, FaceTime. Exactly. Okay, got it. So there's so many more out there that are beneficial to us that nobody knows about. Um, it's probably by design, let's face it. <laughs> well, it, it's just because of lack of research, because it, right. it was scheduled as a, uh, a, a narcotic. So because of that, you restricted people's uh, ability to research it, so they weren't able to find all these different uh, benefit mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're really in this, you know, we're, we're in this era of, of new beginnings because once we find out all, all all these different ways to extract these different cannabinoids we can now in, use them to help regulate ourselves even maybe ki- uh cure diseases so let's go timeline here so you you are in severe pain you're in a kind of in a low you're in a major low spot let's yeah. say what year was this what year was this probably 2000 it was 2020 Oh my gosh, so it was really recent. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. So not only are you in a low spot, but now the world's in a global pandemic. Yeah. Okay, well that's always a great. Let's let's add that cherry to the top of that Sunday. That well, I mean, I, I was dealing with all these issues probably maybe 2 years after I got out. Okay. Like 2015, I got out 2013. Okay. So like 2015 time to about 2020. Wow. Yeah. And you were on that high dosage of Adderall. Yeah. Every single day. Yeah. What was your mood like? Oh, it was terrible. I mean, my problem is. I mean, just like your energy, because you have a, um, you have a high and en- you have a up energy, yeah. but it's not like schizo. Yeah. Maybe it is schizo, but I don't know you that well. But um, more spastic. <laughs> it doesn't seem like that. It seems like a positive energy, yeah. but not a like, like manic energy, which I feel like when people are on Adderall. No offense to the people out there on Adderall. But it, you can kind of seem a little mm-hmm. shaky or 
your eyes are kind of nuts. But well, and the people that have actual ADHD don't act like that. When, don't act like that. Sure. It's the people that don't have it. So for me, uh, my mom told us that growing up, she would give my sister and I sugar and it would calm us down. Mm. And so that's kind of how our brain is wired. So like if I take Zach's mom, she's a good parent. She's yeah. like, I give it to my kids to calm down. And all the other moms were like, OK, and, Zach's mom. And she's like, no, it really works. <laughs> and but the thing was, is like when I take Adderall, it, I just get really mellow, relaxed um, because I actually do have that chemical imbalance. Right. OK, so you were on that, but. But it didn't really affect the internal. You were still kind of at a, yeah. a bit of a war going on. Well, yeah, you just the extreme highs, extreme lows. Um, but also the the mental battle. Right. It, yeah. Just growing up, you go through a mental battle. Right. But if you're going growing up with, you know, all these different angles of, uh, I, like I said, identity issues being um not knowing if you're going to succeed in whatever you're trying to do because there's, you know, you keep hitting walls along the way. Where were your walls? So I was going to school for athletic training and uh, kinesiology. Mm-hmm. And I, I went and I went to three different colleges and tried to get into the programs. They were the best programs in the entire state for both of the colleges that they were mm-hmm. East Carolina university and Florida Gulf coast university. Okay. And I tried to get into the program and I didn't get in. I got waitlisted. So I retook classes, got better grades, went to apply again, got waitlisted. So it got to a point where it was like I did everything I could to get to this point and it didn't it didn't get me where I was trying to go. So I just, you know, changed my plans and took a left. Okay, but that's that's a lot of rejection, right? Yeah, that's like rejection. So then your next best idea was to go to um, L.A. and become an actor. (laughs) Yeah, well, so or was, I wanna, the acting, I, was the acting first and then no, the kinesiology or what? no, 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 it was kinesiology first. OK. And actually, before that, before I went to acting, I was actually working in a physical therapy clinic. Okay. Uh, well, that's Z- yeah, it was it was called Zenergy down Zenergy Physical Therapy down in Fort Myers. And I actually learned behind um, a man that was born in Hong Kong and he he learned all of his basic schooling in Hong Kong, and then he did his uh, graduate um, degree in University of South Florida. So he combined Far East and West Medicine, Mm -hmm. and I learned from him, and it was like the most... He was actually my personal physical therapist, and then he asked me to come on board and uh, be one of his assistants. Oh, nice. And I got to learn, you know, and I I actually applied all the stuff I learned in college Mm -hmm. in a, a clinical setting. Okay. So it was really great, and then after I did that, that's when I went to L.A. So and you're like, I'm feeling really good about myself. I think I'll go to L.A. and try to be an actor. Yeah. <laughs> so I love doors slamming in my face. It feels so good. Well, it, in my so this is my philosophy on acting. Let's hear it. Well, there's a bunch of other stuff, too. So like on the way. To, so when I went to out, we'll, we'll I don't want to get too ahead. No, you could go wherever you want. It's your life. It was oh, you're I'm literally just, retelling I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you the part right before I went to L.A. So okay. right before I went to L.A., um, I got my truck lo- loaded up, went to go drive out there. And then about, I don't know, maybe an hour and a half into my drive, I ended up getting in a, uh, car accident on I-75 going 80 miles an hour. got hit by a 75,000 <gasps> pound semi truck. Oh my God. Went from the, the fast lane all the way across oh. the highway 
and I flipped my truck five and a half times. And I walked out the front windshield with just whiplash and a scratch on my foot. That was the only, that was it. Well, Zach, I mean, I hate to break it to you, but screw Stardust. God must really love you. Uh, That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. So that was my first attempt. And then a week after that accident was my second attempt at going to L.A. So I was, I was full. So what happened was, is when. So you don't believe in signs. (laughs) Yeah. So what, what, what happens is when you go through, uh. A traumatic experience like that I'll say uh, one of two things happens you either reflect on your life and you realize that everything you've done is wrong and you need to change and you need to make a drastic change in your life and completely become a new person and the second thing that happens is you when you reflect on your life you double down and you say, no I'm on the right right path and I need to continue doing what I'm planning to do. Wait, say it again. So the first one, you you look back and you go, "We need to change everything." Change everything. So that I would that would be me. I'd be like, "I'm taking that as a sign. I probably shouldn't go to L.A." Yeah. You were like, "Oh, not only are we going to L.A., we're going to go to L.A. so hard. Yeah. They didn't know what they they're they're never going to know what hit them. Yeah. Okay. Full send. <laughs> I mean, we're okay. that's the that's exactly what ha- what happened. Okay. And what happened was is I actually plotted out a map and I uh, had stops every 150 miles and for all the cities uh in each state and i ended up stopping at each of those cities and i ate at all the different places i wanted to eat all across the united states oh like diners driving drive-ins and dives yeah so i drove across the united states and stopped at every state and and ate some you look a lot like guy fieri so i was gonna say that and now i know (laughs) you guys just are so it's the flaming hair (laughs) it is and the shirt with the flames yes you you can't leave home without it (laughs) um okay so was it what was the best place you ate at uh in new orleans was incredible did you get um, some beignets? Oh yeah, <laughs> Cafe du Monde. Uh, uh huh. Like I had it. I mean, I had like five days in New Orleans, and it was just eating, eating different things. I never ate at the same place twice. Oh, okay. So I had like a whole food blog and everything. And oh my gosh, look at this guy. Yeah. Okay, so you get to LA, and then I continued the food blog, and I never ate for one whole year. I never ate at the same place twice. So I went to all new places, and they're all mom and pop shops, like little small. So no, like cheesecake factory. No, 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 mom and pop. <laughs> and through that, I started acting. And my first gig, uh, I actually got um, cast in a Dar Man um, motivational mini clip, like the clips that he does. And I didn't really know who Dar Man was, and apparently he is the number one motivational. Um, content creator in the entire world and my first video that i ever did as an actor got 75 million views nice and then he called me back uh a month and a half later and i filmed another one and that that video got 45 million views so my introduction to la was completely unrealistic to what reality was i thought everything that i became a part of was going to have millions of views that's amazing because so, it's not like that at all. No, it's not like it's not. I didn't realize how many people 75 million was like. I was just like, oh, everybody in L.A. gets this many. You know, this is the this is why you go to L.A. is because you can get this you know type of outreach. I want to I'm looking on YouTube right now. I'm trying to see if yours would just pop up. Uh, it's uh, one small act of kindness. Dar man. We should um, post this. 
Sure, you can do whatever you want. No, it's your I mean, show. No, you know, okay. <laughs> can I push play? It's three minutes long. We don't have the no, time. No, yeah, we don't have that time. <sighs> I'll put it on mute. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so yeah, we you should definitely post this. You don't you don't talk about this. I don't talk about myself ever. <laughs> and 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 let me let's ask a question about that. Why is that? Oh. There's but there's the boy. He's eating a sandwich. We found him. Look at him. He's got the dog looking at you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Way to go, Zach. I love this. Okay. So why are you like that? Why don't you talk about yourself? Um, I just it's not that I don't think it's worthy of talking. It's just No, I have a I have a theory. Well, I for me it's I've always in my life, I've always wanted to be uh, incorporated into things and it I always felt outcast. Okay. No matter how hard I tried to be included, I was always excluded. Okay. So it got to a point where I felt like if me talking about myself is going to exclude me from the group or something like that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay, so did you, were you raised, did your family ever tell you, like, like don't talk about yourself or don't bore people with your life or don't tell people your problems. Did anyone ever say that? No, I wasn't silenced. It was just trial and error. Like I would open up and then eventually it would, you know, I wouldn't be included. Right. For some reason. And you never figured that out? Never. I always had like one friend who was like my, my friend. Right. But the majority of groups, that was the, the commonality between them. Do you have a better understanding now as like a mature adult that of why that was the way it was? Well, I don't know if that was it. Well, one kids, you know, if you don't have confidence or if kids don't don't try to be cool or be accepted, it's the it's the people that are around them. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really understand that being different is an advantage. Right. I never was taught that. Right. You know, I was taught to conform. And it, once you conform, then everybody's going to accept you. Then everything's going to get provided for you. Mm. But if, you know, for me, I never conformed to anything. So I was always outcast. And I realized once I got older that I was special. I was different than everybody else. I was able to do things that other people thought were impossible. Mm -hmm. And because of that, you know, I was able to use my gifts for good essentially using a, a quote from Nels. Um, Nels was a guest you had on two weeks ago. Yep. Two weeks ago. Episode five, I believe he was the first civilian on yes. the show. <laughs> the inaugural. He is. He's the best. He is the best. <laughs> okay. So um, you wait, what did you just say before you said something about Nels? You said, um, oh, I always felt like I was different. Yeah. Don't you feel like everybody thinks they've been, they're always been different? I think everybody has that that claim, but there's different types of different. Like there's different words like socially awkward. You have those that, but just because you're socially awkward doesn't mean that you're like a visionary or a savant or something. You could just be like a giant. You could just nerd. be a you know somebody who's just socially awkward. Right. And then there are those that are you know extremely intelligent and they don't fit in. Right. Because they just have a different perspective on the world. Right. Well, if you were who you are today, back then as a kid, I would imagine you wouldn't fit in. Because yeah. you would like be like, guys, let's talk about deep stuff. And kids would be like, we just want to play trucks, you know? And you were like, no, I want to talk. I want to talk about some deep stuff. So that's probably why that didn't work out. But it, now that you're past that moment, you can see 
that it was good that you didn't fit in. You know, it's 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 actually better at our struggles mm-hmm. and so so cliche and lame when people say that. But it, no, it's really true, and that's why people say it is that when you have these struggles, they really are who make you mm-hmm. who you are. You know. And I'm not saying that we're supposed to struggle our whole lives or that every day should be a struggle because that's just not true. But it's these moments where you didn't fit in that cause you to kind of rise up and be like, well, I'm going to do differently, you know, or it's these times where you felt like you should conform and you did and it didn't work out. And you're like, okay, so conformity is not the answer, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you get these lessons along the way where you would never gotten that had you been like the coolest, popular, most whatever. And, and, you know, because you see those guys. Talk about the VFW. They're mm-hmm. just sitting down at the bar in their Letterman jacket talking about their best play when they were in high school. And you're just like, move on. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're so lame, you know? But they, like, peaked. They peaked. They peaked at, like, 16. And they're just like, well, now you're weird and kind of, ugh, you yeah. know? They're the socially awkward ones now. <laughs> exactly. They've never left their town. They don't know how to talk to people. All they want to talk about is the old game. You know, they're like the yeah. Uncle Rico. Yeah, Napoleon Dynamite. Yes, yeah. that's exactly who they are. You're just like, you're the worst. <laughs> we hate you, Uncle Rico, you know. So it's good that you're not that. Yeah, I think what makes you different makes you strong. And Kelly Clarkson. Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> I mean. I, and and for and if you can harness it, it's almost like a superpower mm-hmm. if you know how to use it properly. Okay. And But not everybody has that. Some people need... You know, some people need to get babied and spoon fed and some people welcome Gen Zers or also medicated to the chat that, that, you know, that that spoon feeding you might be medication and you might, you know, everything you don't feel like you can function without medication. You don't feel like which is some people. It's very true. And don't go off it and don't go (laughs) off it. But but realistically, you are dependent on your medication to for you to be who you are. Mm and i never thought about that and you that that's who you identify as who you are is your medication so what is your superpower my superpower is um being a visionary Hmm. so i i'm able to see things that other people can't see and i kind of know how to do it it's just a matter it's just a matter of having the means to put it in place such as um such as I'm, I want to. I'm tr- currently trying to uh, get a service disabled veteran on small business verification, so that I can try to get hemp approved and possibly get it into the VA. I think if we can get veterans access to alternatives outside of what's contractually obligated by the VA, mm-hmm. and maybe provide alternatives that are custom to each person that or individualized then we will have a lot more um, better way, better vices to cope with their trauma Mm. as opposed to alcohol or mixing prescriptions and alcohol. Well, what if they just dealt with their trauma? Well, you can deal deal with it, but what do you do when your body's broken? Well, that's true. And most people that have physical issues have mental issues. Mm Mm-hmm. And it takes a toll. It takes a toll. If you don't have your health, you really don't have much. And if you can't, you know, walk or without pain or move without pain. And then on top of that, you're trying to deal with mental, you know, PTSD or depression or anxiety or suicide or anger or, you know, all these different emotions. How do you do that when your body is broken? Yeah, that's a good point. So you get people going in the right direction, feeling better. 
and then they can start to address these other exactly. things. Exactly. Once once you feel like you're capable of dealing with your emotions, then that's where you get the problem is is nobody feels they're capable to do it because their body feel is like crap. Yeah, their body's total crap. Okay. Like if you woke up and felt great, you'd be like, okay, well, life let, is awesome. Let's conquer something. Today. Right. True. Okay. I like that. That's good. So, um, I think that you, um, will succeed in that. I think when, when you try to make people your business, you know, and not try to make money off of people, but you make people yeah. the business and supposed to, you know, whatever that people that you wind up being way more successful than you thought you could be. Yeah. Do you find that when you do you find that to be true? Yeah, I think that's where integrity really comes into play. Okay. And I think as long as you're true to being an honest person mm -hmm. and that's like just who you are, that's your nature. You're not trying to, you know, coerce or you're not trying to manipulate situations to your benefit. Right. My my whole thing is I didn't I didn't get the things that I needed to help me feel like I could overcome all of my issues right so for me it's if nobody else is going to do it i'm going to do it type of mentality mm -hmm. and i'm just gonna i don't i might not know what i'm doing but i'm gonna go 100 miles an hour trying to do my best just don't flip your truck yeah well apparently that doesn't matter either because oh, i'll just true. walk right out what kind of truck was it it was a 2004 ford ranger edge Wow, and it withstood that. I, I mean, it kept it, you withstood in a Ford Ranger. I'm thinking yeah. a Toyota Tundra or something like that. No, well, Ford Ranger's not big. It, well, I, I had it lifted, so it was pretty big. Well, that doesn't matter. Lift kits are what four, six inches. I mean, how much more? That's not going to add to your safety. It's not like you're like I added seven airbags. To no, it. it didn't do. Well, here's the crazy part. So, I actually had a recall on my airbag. And apparently when I flipped, my air pack didn't go off. Oh, and, my God. And that's actually what saved my life. Because if the airbag went off, I would have been decapitated. So I, w I held on to the steering wheel up close. And I had my chest on the steering wheel. And I covered my head. And that's what saved me. How did you know to do that in that situation? Um, instinct and training. Training? Well, I, I know to tuck and I know how to brace fall. Oh. So I just put the two and two together. Right. And... It saved me in that situation. <sighs> yeah. I gotta take. I need a minute. <laughs> yeah, it was. I hate seventy five. <laughs> yeah, no, so. it, it was. It was definitely um, when I went to the well. First off, the 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 uh, paramedics looked at me like I was, you know, like a ghost. Yeah, you're like on bath salts or something. Yeah, that, like, they, why they, isn't they this looked guy at dead? me like I was crazy, and then I went to the ER, and then everybody, like the woman that was in inputting my information, just started bawling, crying. Mm. when she saw like what the picture was what yeah. was her deal well just because i shouldn't like she was like how are you here because obviously they're in the emergency room you see a whole bunch of cat you know yeah but you think that you know talk about compartmentalizing you've been in the emergency room your whole existence yeah. you would be like well i'm alive to tell that's why she was crying she's uh, yeah. like she looked at me like a ghost too wow ghost yeah. recall exactly nice so would you say that's one of the hardest things you ever overcame um no it, it's actually it's not um car accidents aren't really i'm really good with physical anything physical like i feel totally confident okay it's the mental stuff that i'm not as confident in and that is more of a difficult it's a battlefield yeah that's worse okay so what was one of the biggest things you've ever overcome not killing myself 
probably. I know that is a very, um, in, I mean, obviously that's as dark as it gets, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, killing other people can be pretty dark. True. But at the same time, what's the difference? You know, one life is yeah. not any more valuable than the next. So what, if I can ask, mm -hmm. what did you do? Um, How did you get help? Well, I, I, I'm not the type of person to get like asked for help, so I never really talk about it. I'm a very quiet guy. Well, I mean, how did you move from point A? So my, so my defining, yes, thing, um, was, I was probably, I think I was just like at night crying or something like that, and I, I think I came up with the decision like, I can't kill myself because I have too much to offer this world. And I doubled down with that and totally believed in it. And every time I felt like I was going to do it, like I was like, no, I can't do it. I have too much to offer. So like that's how I convinced myself not to do it. So you lit you talked yourself off a yeah. ledge, literally. Yeah. Well, not literally, but kind of. Yeah. Wow. So because I just knew I had too much to offer. So was it just one incident that was bogging you or was it just it was a bunch every a whole bunch of different like you get the culmination well yeah you have to understand like when you're in the military you you have you kind of get conditioned to be like death is a normalcy like it's normal for death like yeah. people you have friends that kill themselves it gets to the point where it's desensitized we're like okay well this guy just killed himself yeah. it's not like this you know oh my god moment it's a terrible sad moment but yeah. it's like okay well this is another one and another one and another one and then if, even if you're getting ready for war, you have to be prepared that if the person you're going into war with may die. And so you get very comfortable with death. Death is not this, you know, Yikes. I think that's kind of thing. a good thing and a bad thing. That's what I'm getting at. That's okay. what I'm getting at. So it gets you to a point where, you know, death isn't looked upon as like it's on the other side of the cliff. It looks like there's just a there's a bridge to it and it's not that hard to get to. Yikes. So it's it's not that. So for people in the military. I think that's why they're so uh, prone to, to killing themselves because it's it's not a sensitive thing anymore. Mm. They've been desensitized to death to the point where it's like, okay, well, it's just death, you know? Yeah, but that's not how everybody looks at it, obviously. It's exactly. But that's the way, that's how it's rationalized. Like, I looked at it like, okay, well, I just don't want to play this game anymore. Like, I feel like this game sucks. I'm not enjoying it. There's no no part of this game at all that I want to play. So I just want to stop playing. Okay. And that's the way I looked at it. Right. So it makes it very easy to look at, like, to, okay, just, you know, reset the game. Are you, are you, I mean, I would assume that you're glad that with your decision that you didn't do it. Well, no, I mean, it, it's, it's something that, you know, it, it it's not gone away. Like, there's always moments where it's like, okay, well. Man, I, I just I could just do it right now. Isn't there isn't there something that the military can do as program, but then deprogram people like that? Because as you're talking about it, I'm thinking, how many other people am I walking right by mm -hmm. every day that are having these thoughts? A, I know it's I know it's it's obvious that people have these thoughts because we see it all the time, whether it's celebrities or even regular people. Mm -hmm. And obviously, in the veteran community, you hear about it all the time. Yeah. But isn't there something that people can do to like bring them back from that? There is, and um, programs are great, but it's like school. School's not for everybody. Not everybody can thrive in a structured situation. So you may have people that are able to benefit from that type of treatment. But 
I think the basic thing is kind of like what we're doing here is okay. like talking about it. Right. And I would imagine if you talk to veterans, which I know you do on mm-hmm. a pretty much weekly basis, they probably share similar stories. Yeah. The the thing is, is that there's like a commonality or like a um, a togetherness. Mm. So even though you might not be experiencing those things, that person still understands the situation right like they can relate they not necessarily relate like if somebody's been to combat somebody's not been to combat that person that's not been to combat can't relate but because they understand because they're in the atmosphere sure they have more understanding than somebody that's not in that atmosphere right right so it's still you know there's something there that can be worked together and i think just talking about it or making it okay to talk about because everybody feels like their experiences are completely different than everybody else's experiences. Right. I totally agree. And there's like 10 problems in the world and everyone's got some, a combination of a few of them. Exactly. And when you realize, oh, you you came from a divorced family. Oh, me too. Mm-hmm. You know, you grow up as a kid thinking I'm the only one, you know, or I don't have a dad or I do have a mom or I don't have this or my grandma raised me or whatever. You you think I'm the only person that's dealing with this. And then as you get older, you realize, oh, there's many people that are dealing with these same problems. And it kind of makes it a little bit more not better because it's not like you're like, oh, I hope you get a divorce. It's not like you're hoping people's families break up. But you can kind of be like, I don't know what it is in the human psyche when you know you're not alone. It kind of makes that. I don't know, easier. Yeah, it softens that shell. And like that's one of the big things with this is like we are providing a platform for people to tell their stories so that the listener, whether or not they're a civilian or a service member, they can hear what that person's experiencing in their life and it it brings them back to like human level instead of putting them on this pedestal. Okay. And once we realize like, okay, yeah, we may have all – you know, different groups that we're associated with, or we may have different talents or skills. We still have a baseline of being human. Mm -hmm. And all of these people across the board have something in common at some point. It doesn't have to be everything, but there's some, there's something common amongst everyone. Mm -hmm. And the goal is to bring that out because once people can realize like we're all human then we can find some commonality and bring everyone together. The problem is that we always think everybody's so different Mm -hmm. and whether or not you're, you're politically different, uh, racially different, religiously different, everything, just because you're different in every aspect, you're still human and deal with the same things that humans do. COVID just showed everyone doesn't matter who, what, where, when, or why you are, even rich people, they all got, Shut you know, down. <laughs> everyone got closed up, closed up, <laughs> but everyone was potentially um, had to be aware that they could they could, you know, yeah, they were carry. They could be it. a carrier. Right. They were confronted with this all of a sudden. So Whether it, it was it leveled out the playing field to where now everyone has to be cautious. Everyone yeah. has to be aware. There was a article that George Clooney was like, yeah, being locked up, all the help had to go home. Yep. And he had to make his kids chicken nuggets. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I've never done that before. And I'm like, oh, George Clooney, get, get your crap together. You never made chicken nuggets. It's just crazy, you know. So you're right. It does level the playing field. Because I, I also was making my own chicken nuggets during the pandemic. Were you? Uh, 
the yeah, I think I was vegan during the pandemic. So oh, were you they were vegan. Impossible yeah. crap. Oh yes. God, then yes. you had it even worse. Well, <laughs> your opinions. <laughs> Are you still vegan? No, no, I was vegan for like eight months. You decide. To do v to be vegan during a global pandemic, that's yeah. the time you break out all you no. stuff. That's why everybody had the stretchy pants. They were like, forget it. You know what? We're gonna drink at nine. <laughs> we're gonna eat ice cream for breakfast. We're gonna run with scissors. We don't care anymore. Yep. You know, like they didn't care. <laughs> no rules. And you were out there trying to go vegan. Oh yeah. Oh god. Oh yeah. It was awesome. I I mean, I love it because I love food. And yeah, but that limits your food. That like it, see, you, that's what you would think. No, it does. But it actually introduced me to a whole new world, like Aladdin. <laughs> um, so they pretty much, I had a whole new flavor uh, package or palette mm. that I could try. So what's something that was good that you never uh, tried? I Don't love, give me that impossible I, stuff. No, the Beyond the Beyond Meat yeah. was really really good, but um, because you know what real meat tastes like, and you're well, like, yeah, but I actually like I actually craved it as opposed to like. I craved it more than a regular burger. I'm going to have to stop talking about this. It's making you unrelatable. Forget it. It's Forget fine. I ever asked. Hey, let's put it this way. I, ha I have enough track record of food to know that, you know. I best. Okay, let's go best and worst. Best thing that you've ever eaten. Go. Oh, best thing I've ever eaten. I wouldn't say ever because I had so many different things. Okay, but first one, thing first one came to my mind yeah. was uh, charbroiled oysters in uh, New Orleans. And it was at this place called Drago's. And pretty much what it is, is they had these at, like the freshest oysters mm -hmm. and they put it on the grill until the whole bottom of it turns black mm. and they fill it up to the top with garlic butter. Mm. And then they serve it to you and they give you this French bread. That, nice. And then you just sop, sop up all, all the butter with. <laughs> so you're like, I don't really know if I like the oysters, to be honest. I just like garlic butter. Bread. Well, I mean, the oysters were insane. And it's like the their seasonings and the butter and okay. every, it was it was insane. It okay. Was Worst thing. Worst thing I ever had. Uh, it probably was in the military, right? MREs, maybe. What was it? like meals ready to eat? Yeah. In a bag. Um, but. I don't know. You just kind of shove it in your mouth and you yeah, know, yeah, don't yeah, think yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. We know, but what is what was it that you didn't really that you really didn't like about it? What was uh, it? What tell us what it was. Well, it got to the point where I liked I didn't like heating it up. I just like to eat it cold because I was just you know. It's like it's already so bad. Yeah, What's the point exactly. of having like cooked I'm not going to make a gourmet. You know, I'm you know cooked crap. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm not doing that. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna steam my shit. Thank you very much. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. I it mean, does. I agree with you. <laughs> but, you know, that's just the way I thought about it. So I would just, whatever was there, I ate it. I'm I'm not one to turn away things. I like, everything has its place. Even if it does, if I don't like the taste, I can appreciate that I don't like the taste. It's just a flavor I just don't like. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, if you want to get philosophical about yeah. it. Right. Okay. So you're not vegan anymore. No, no. I eat everything. Uh, Zach, before we before we wrap this up, I want you to speak to the person who's listening who may have been walking the same valley you are, not eating impossible meat. Not that valley. That's a different valley. We could talk to that person next week. But talk to the person that you that's in that valley that would be similar to yours that can't feel like they nobody can relate to them or that, you know, they feel like this the end is nigh. What would you say to them? I definitely tell them that even though you don't feel like your life matters, your story can change other people's lives. And 
if you can understand that it doesn't matter what you've done, it's your potential, who you could be. That's what you should be living for. If you don't see yourself as, you know, overcoming any type of hardship or being, you know, struggling so much to the point of, you know, wanting to kill yourself or not knowing how to get out of that dark hole. Um, it's definitely nice to have people that you could talk to, but some people just aren't okay talking to the, to their friends about serious stuff. Like they want to keep everything light. Right. Cause they don't want anyone to know they're struggling. Exactly. And, but then again, if they do open up, that person might not be the right person to talk to and give them terrible advice and then make it twice as worse as it was before. And they, ha and so you have to really just be careful and find it. What, what is it in your life that you do, that you think you could do to make an impact on the world? I think everybody has something that uh, uh, ultimate goal, like if they could reach the top of the mountain, what would be their mountain? I think everybody can find something. Some people it's children. Some people it's, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be helping people, but you could just choose to tell your story to the right people that are looking for help. Like if you go to AA meetings or if you go to uh, any type of clubs, Recovery or recovery. Um, it's just really hard. The hard part is to to make it OK to talk about. And that, that's what you're doing. That's what I'm trying to do is just make it OK to talk about because you shouldn't have to hide. It's not. It doesn't make you a less of a person. No, it actually probably will help. Yeah, you're not you're not worthless because of it. If anything. All you are is a highly sensitive, emotional person. And for men, it's hard to admit that they're highly sensitive or emotional at that. Mm -hmm. And once they realize, like, they actually do, you know, care to the point of being upset, then that's accepting that you're emotional, accepting you're sensitive. You're not just this hard badass that never gets, you know, pissed off. You have emotions. You're human. Right. And I think everybody just has to get off the high horse and... Stop trying to prove everyone that they have their shit together. Right. No one does. Nobody has their shit together. No. Even the ones that do. Even, even the ones that do have their shit together. They don't. Might have a family that doesn't have their shit together. That's true. Just because that person has their shit together doesn't mean their whole life is put together. Or they had moments where their shit was not together. Exactly. Right. So you just have to accept that that's going to come with growing. Mm -hmm. It's called growing pains for a reason. Because it hurts to get you know, to build. Yeah. But once you're there, I mean, if you grow all the way to seven feet tall, it might hurt. <laughs> it might really hurt to get there. You might grow to seven foot I'm tall. saying the, if you if you did, you, it's going to hurt because you have you have so long so far to go. <laughs> but once you get there, you can appreciate what you have. You have something that's, you know, above and beyond everyone else. Most things in this world that are hard are are actually the things that are worth doing. Yeah. Right. It's hard. It's not easy. It's mm. not easy to lose weight. It's not easy, but it's also not easy to be fat. You know, it's not easy being depressed, but it's also it's also not. E it's it's easy. Sometimes it's easy to just stay the same, but it's yeah. not easy to stay the same. Right. You know, it's not e it's not easy to discipline your kids because that's a pain in the ass. Mm -hmm. But if you don't, they turn out to be m rascals, you yeah, know, monster. And you can't 
do it for someone else. That's right. the thing. Right. You can't want to change yourself for somebody else. Yeah, you have to do it for you. Because if you, you, if you do it for somebody else, that person might not appreciate you for who you are. Or like enlisted or what in the you're military. Doing. Yeah. They might not appreciate that either. Yeah. Well, I mean, appreciation has, you know, different accepting. Everybody has their own ability to accept I see that you've grown and you've moved on. But yeah. the rest of us still want answers. <laughs> we're like, who is this girl? We'll find you, Rachel, or whoever you were. <clears throat> Was it Rachel? No. Wasn't. Okay, good. <laughs> that would really piss me off. No, I'm just kidding. I don't have anything against anyone named Rachel. All right. Well, Zach, gosh, this has been great. And I feel like you should do this every quarter. Okay. We can dive into the 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 mind of Zach Zindler. Yes. Okay. It's, it's a wondrous mind. <laughs> I mean, it's a terrible thing to waste, right? Never. Never. <laughs> That's why we record it. That's why we record it. <laughs> All right. Well, um, thanks for coming on my show. Yes, it was great <laughs> being here. I love being a guest. I'm so appreciative. Thanks for having me on. All right. Well, um, I'm not Zach Zindler, but this was Core Values Podcast. And if you're out there living your core values, remember. Impossible dreams become impossible realities. We'll see you next time. Take care. <laughs>